coming to you from that once forgotten artery that pulses through the center of the continental United States and into the heart of the Ozarks, Grace Matthews. Looking in from the northern border, our Canadian friend, along with his countrymen, feeling the effects of U.S. political issues, Connor Murphy. Welcome to Dueling Dialogues, episode 183. I'm Connor Murphy here with Grace Matthews and special guests Katie and Ian from the Missouri State University. Hi, crew. How you doing? Doing pretty good. <laughs> Welcome. How are you? Uh, doing good. I, I think we're finally into some summer weather, maybe. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, multi-stream media says we've had the uh, hottest June on record, which is a total joke, because I think it was the coldest, so I don't know what game they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> Fake news! Fake news! Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, as you mentioned, we have Katie and Ian with us. Um, both of them are university students. Katie's an art student. Hi. She also has um, a fondness for Asian culture, Asian art. Minoring uh, in a Japanese minor. Okay. Ian, what are you doing? What is, you asked me what I'm doing? Yeah. Uh, what, what, what's your major? Uh, Japanese. Well, bachelor's is creative writing, and I'm going for a master's in teaching English to speakers of other languages. Right. And but, international management. Minors, right. Minors. But Japanese is at the forefront. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. So, and, and that's important today because we're going to talk about PC culture and cultural appropriations. Fun times. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Katie also, much like you, um, grew up on a farm. Oh, good. Yep, that's true. In Missouri, though, not out there in the frozen tundra. A farm's a farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um,. Katie was homeschooled. She lived in the country. Ian went to a public school, and he lived in the city. Not a huge city, but a city. Um, one thing I've noticed about talking with the kids, of course, I can call them kids. They're not technically kids, is that politically speaking, they're, they're apolitical, meaning they really aren't Republican. They're really not Democrat but they don't seem to like that independent word. Right. And, and they don't identify as independent. Why is that, Katie? Well, for me anyway, personally, this is probably where we're gonna differ, I actually don't mind the word independent. Apolitical definitely is a good word, but independent to me just means I'm not on either side. I'm my own and my own morals, my own values, and I'll go to either side, which fits my morality or whatever values I have or choose. So that's my opinion on it. I've no How do you feel about the term independent? I just, I mean, I don't think you really like, if you call it a party, it's not independent anymore. So if you say you're independent, you're not really independent, if you get what I mean. Well, I've noticed that most people your age, most millennials feel exactly like you do, Anne. And I'm just that like, independent has become its own party, so they don't want to be part of it. Yeah. So I, I mean, to me, I like, I, I'll vote for who I want, and I'll vote for what I want. It's doesn't matter what party it is. It's just whether it suits what I need and want out of whatever I'm voting on. Do you believe 
that racism has become too political or has become a political weapon. Well, Go ahead, Ian. Oh, okay, okay. Go for it. So it's, to me, it just seems like it's not about the race anymore. <laughs> like, it's not for the good of anybody. It's really not. It's just sort of people just trying to find a reason to get mad at each other, it seems, honestly. Because, so it's less like, meaning? Yeah, I mean, it seems like people that are unaffected by certain things are taking stances, where even the people that would be affected by it honestly don't care. You exactly. Know? And I should probably have pointed out that um, we have a unique situation here. Even though Katie and Ian are only a couple of years apart, Ian's that last year of millennials. Mm -hmm. So Katie's a little cut off from that. And so you almost see that just a little bit mm -hmm. in, in, in how they think about things. I suppose in a way, yeah. I feel like uh, on my side, at least when it comes to this sort of thing, it's very strange because I do definitely feel like we might have made mistakes a long time ago, but number one, we shouldn't be you know, still being reprimanded for things that happened so long ago that we had nothing to do with. But also, number two, I feel like it's it's really gotten to where racism s still occurs, but it's happening at the other end of the extreme, where everyone is micromanaging every little thing and calling it racism, when in reality, we this is gonna sound very hippie, but we should all just be equal people. There should be no such thing as race, and there shouldn't be stereotypes or stigmas based on just how much melanin is in your skin, at least in my opinion. Absolutely. Here, here. Yeah. So <laughs> that's my opinion on the matter. <laughs> What's your thoughts there, Connor? I, I totally agree with every word you said there. Totally agree with it. Well, and if you have to think about race, or if you're constantly thinking about it, are you a racist? Personally, I would think yes, because you shouldn't be thinking so much about, oh, well, that person is different, thus I should think this way about them. They're, that's just a person. It doesn't matter what they look like. So if you're calling out a group, that's racist anyway. So for example, if you're calling out a group for being racist, you're calling out that group in a racist manner. Exactly. So, I mean, I, exactly. I don't get that. But I, I think something interesting, I have a friend from Uganda, and so she's full-on, you know, a actual African. You right, know? right. Um, That's her and she, uh, she came here, and she said something interesting to me one day. She was like, yeah, if, if you know anything about, like, how Americans are, she was like, Americans get offended really easily, so you got to watch what you say. Mm -hmm. And so I was really? like, I thought that was interesting because I was like, if you take that in the racist scale, like people get offended when there was no offense met at exactly. any point. Okay. And you know, sometimes stereotypes are important. It's not racism, but it's, it's stereotyping. You know. Well, as people that love other cultures, especially Asian yeah. cultures. How do you feel about this macro racism? You know, uh, when Hillary Clinton um, was doing an interview um, on a, a with a, a African American DJ, she told him, "I have hot sauce in my purse." Yeah, I think that was that was a very unnecessary jab. It kind of 
you can tell you can tell when someone is doing it on purpose versus someone who actually is trying to be educated going a little bit into my personal not too personal but going a little bit into my backstory here I wasn't around a lot of cultures I wasn't around a lot of people where I could learn from them so a lot of times now I'm old enough to where if I genuinely am curious about a person's culture or something that their family does or that their people do I could be labeled as, oh, well, you're just being racist, when in reality, I'm like, no, I actually want to understand. I just don't understand it yet. Yeah, and it comes out of a place of respect. It does. Like I said, one of the ways I tried to teach my boys about other cultures was through food. Yeah. It's as if you're supposed to know that. Now, that could be interpreted as macro racism or cultural appropriation. What are your thoughts, Ian? You know... I think I the point being is like every aspect of culture like would teach you a little bit about it. So I mean like if you really analyze like for example what they eat and all this other stuff, you can get to the root of a culture, but also the culture like I said isn't always going to describe each individual person. So well, and it, isn't it where you come from in your heart? I mean, if you're if you're doing it for a place of from a place of racism, it'll show. It will yeah. show. Yeah. If it's doing it, if you're doing it. Because you truly want to know and you respect the culture. and respect. You know, and I guess for some people that can't interpret emotions, which there are a lot of those people out there, they can't, they can't uh, interpret body language, those could be the same to them. They could look at them and see the same thing. And I think we've grown up to become very hypersensitive to both physical body language and also just how words are spoken. I have noticed that, you know, ever since I have gone to college, I've noticed that you could say something in a very curious and very respectful way of like, well, I don't mean this to be mean. I'm just trying to understand and I'm confused. Right. And there is a tone of voice that comes with that. I've had that situation happen to me before and I got shut out because people thought I was being, you know, phobic towards those types of people when in reality, I just wanted to understand. <laughs> right, right. I think uh, you and I see kind of on the same lines. I don't know if that's our farm background or not, <laughs> but it, it, it could be. Yeah, I, I definitely. I'm kind of in shock here that that you're you're seeing everything the way I do. And what I'm really worried about right now, I eat an awful lot of tacos and burritos, and I just hope that that doesn't make me racist. <laughs> I had burritos yesterday. What does that say about us? And that's nothing too. Don't forget, in North America, you can't, in my mind, you shouldn't even be racist at all because we're a giant melting pot. If we try to not be racist, we're not going to have any culture at all because they all melt together here. Okay. I'm glad you opened that door. This is something I know that Ian has a lot of thoughts about. So does that mean that we should have open borders? because we're a melting pot, or should there be a process at which people come in? I'm gonna let Ian take this first. He's got a lot of thoughts about this, I know. So, I'm, if we're talking like hardcore, I'm against the wall, but I'm also against open borders. Um, so I'm, I fall somewhere in between. I think if you're gonna go the legal means, it should be a little harder, because um, if you can't really bring a benefit in, why should we legally bring you in? Yeah. Well, and explain to them, just a tiny bit about how Japan does it. 
So um, they don't let anybody in. I mean, for one, you have to spend at least like ten months out of the year for five years there. Um, you have to be able to support yourself. You also would have to have a company sign off for proof that you have a you know enough income to support. That you yourself. won't be a burden to. Yeah, the you city. won't be a burden. Um, they can expedite that process if you are a specialist in some field looking to come over, um, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But basically, bottom line is you have to not be bringing anybody down and you have to provide something and be able to take care of yourself. Useful. Something they need. Yeah, exactly. So you believe we should do something similar to that? Yeah, exactly. Or do you believe that's too harsh? I, I think we should do exactly that. Okay. What do you think, Katie? Uh, personally, I pretty much agree with Ian, except I'm a little, I'm a little nicer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know that's kind of true. I I remember, I remember even when the wall and all that was being spoken about, I remember even asking my father, because I was around 16, 17 at the time, and I was asking him, why can't we just open up the borders? Why can't we just let everybody in? And my father simply said, well, because it, it's really hard for us to do that because number one, a population problem, our jobs, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. So I do think there should be a middle ground. We shouldn't have a wall, we shouldn't have open borders, but I do believe that we should be a little stricter on who we let in. We control who we let in. Exactly, because at the end of the day, you know, everyone brings up the argument about how, oh, the illegal immigrants are all drug deals and whatnot. They're not. No, they're people no, from they're Latin America that are but just we, looking for a better job. Right, and, but we certainly want to have some sort of vetting process Absolutely. that doesn't let in the drug dealers and the rapists and the exactly. pedophiles. Because I do believe we should have more stricter background checks and number two, can you? That that's a question, definitely. When someone's coming from a third world country, how do you vet them, or you how could we vet them? Unless they're put on supervision or something like that, you really can't. Do you have any ideas about how we could vet them in? Education. Yeah. Require a certain deal of education if they come from a third world country. So that you would have some sort of paper. Yeah. So you so would have. I went to school. And this is what happened while he was in school. He didn't get in trouble, or he did get in trouble. And then, like, maybe a letter from the local law enforcement, a letter from the school, a letter from maybe government of some sort saying that they've had had any issues and they show good behavior. But you can't depend upon the government of a third world country, right? So you're saying go to other avenues. Yeah. Okay. Which is probably where... Such as higher education. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Which is probably where Ian's idea of a stricter, you know, you have to have this, you have to not be a burden, that's where that... So you would have those things. You would have those things, but it wouldn't be as right down the line as Japan probably is. You you just described legal immigration, though. I mean, that still does not solve the problem. Uh, I believe the problem is a lot more complex because uh, some of these guys are buying kids to bring across the border to say that, you know, this is my kid. A lot of them. Yeah. yeah. And and hence where you're... 20,000 kids down there without their parents. And it's really sad because you know the reasons behind that. They want their children to have a... Some of them want their children to have a better life so they let them go like that. They do. And that is heartbreaking. But at least that's what we... The reason we hope that they're they're taking the money for it is they're really thinking of the children. That's Some the optimism side. They're not all thinking of that. That they could be taking the money, but we can't make that judgment. Yeah, we simply can't. It it it's a very very and complex it's a, it's a problem. Okay, um, it's been said 
that the border is like the Holocaust. How does that make you feel? I personally don't think that's completely accurate. I do believe that I get what they're trying to say, so, but my, I don't think that's right. My question is, are we rounding up people based on their skin color, their hair color, their way of speaking and their differences, <laughs> and then forcing them to work to death or just slaughtering them outright? Thank you. No. Thank I'm you. sorry. I mean, that's, that's a holocaust. Well, first of all, coming on their own free will, knowing that they're going to be put in a detention camp. The closest the, the U.S. has come to that that I can think of from history would be like the way we treated Native Americans. Yeah, exactly. During, during the Trail of Tears and every all those events. Yeah. Um, like and Katie, even that. Katie said in the beginning, can we be held responsible for how our families treated Native Americans and black slaves, we didn't have anything to do with that. If anything, we should be the ones that move forward from that past. I, I would venture to say um, we should not hold responsibility, but it's also our job as just good people to take care of other people. Yeah. Well, so, exactly, but what about reparations? They want us to go back as a family member, for um, example, you know, say your family in had tobacco farms mm -hmm. back when. Yeah. With slaves. Yeah. Okay. Should you have to pay some of the income you make in the future because your family that you never met did that? Oh, hell no. I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean we could go back further. That's and on say, the table in 2020, then. Let's say, let's go back six, seven hundred years and let's say I had part of my family was explorers that traveled into that racist territory exactly. and they were enslaved or slaughtered. Should they have to pay well, for that too? What about Jews and the Egyptians? Exactly. What about Jews in Germany? That's what I'm saying is yeah. if we keep going back, we just we keep we just around. keep repeating the cycle of hatred. Yeah. And it's our job today as good people to do what's right and okay. not let's move forward with yeah. what we've got. Exactly. Well, people are responsible for what they have done. Not what other people have done. And what about erasing history? What about knocking down statues? I mean, um, have you all read 1984? I have heard the of it. Where, heard of it. you know, you erase the past and what happens, you repeat it. Yes. Yeah. To I, make it short, how do you guys feel about erasing the past? As a like huge that? historical, like, I don't know what you call it. I just, I love history, um, especially war history. Um, but my point is, you, you shouldn't regret what's happened and you should remember. Mm -hmm. You should never regret and always remember because if you remember it, then you won't do it again, for one. And you shouldn't regret it because if you regret it, then you regret today. Mm -hmm. and it's almost like the biblical view of forgive and forget. Yeah. Because you forgive and you quote unquote forget the pain that was caused, but you never forget what actually occurred so you don't repeat. Yeah, because that would be almost like unlearning. It would, be, it would be unlearning what happened. Yeah. Exactly. Do you have any thoughts about that, Connor? Yeah, you can uh, bring Trudeau in for a visit. He apologizes about shit that happened 300 years ago, but he won't apologize about shit he's done. So <laughs> if you need an apology, just invite him. He'll show up, say sorry, cry a little bit, and uh, then you're good. <laughs> you know, um, what was it? It was, but they were talking about the uh, the Nanking massacre, and it was Shinzo Abe, uh -huh. and he he refused. He basically, um, like what I just said, he said they remember it, they feel great remorse for what they've done in the past, 
but he would no longer he didn't want his and future generations to have to you know have to repay for something that happened in the past i really like abe and so he just kind of he cut it off there he said yeah we're we're sorry it happened we're sorry for the tragedies but we didn't do it you know yeah and you know i i know some of my relatives i cannot possibly be responsible for some of the things exactly and and that's you know just assuming that we're related by blood is kind of like holding people responsible for that like yeah we don't pick our families we pick our friends yeah we pick our mates but we do not pick our families exactly one thing that I thought, this all kind of loops around to this final point, which I think is really interesting, and I believe this is how it is for pretty much everything when it comes to balance in the world, if you get my meaning. There's always something that happens that goes to one extreme, then we try and fix it. It goes to the other side of that extreme. But then after both extremes are done, they find a middle ground and they balance out. That's how I've noticed a lot of things happen in life. You go to one extreme, then the other, then balance. So hopefully we have gone from the one extreme to the other, so, which means in 20, 30 years, maybe 50, we would be right middle ground where we need to be. And the so-called new age spirituality tells us the middle is where it's at. It's balance, right It's there. balance, yes. right. But Very important. Logic dictates you probably will never see the middle. <laughs> Optimism says that you will eventually. You'll always be leading. I don't know. I, I think you do. But, um, you yeah. know, that's that's a... That's a whole show right there. I mean, it's, yeah. Because what happens when you reach balance? Do you just die? I don't know. I mean, because you, you've, you've met your goal. I mean, there are a lot of religious people that think that. Yeah. So once you have that. met your purpose, you're, you're going to die. So that's another story for another day. Let's go to Trump. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Trump is in trouble again for tweets. Now, when there is he not? There are people that love his tweets, people that hate his tweets. I, for one, am in the middle. Sometimes I hate them, but sometimes he is truly the smartest guy in the room. And I'm just saying this from my point of view, this time he might be that again. Okay, so I'm going to read the tweet so we have the context here. Alrighty. So interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt, and inept in anywhere in the world, if they even have a functioning government at all. Now, now these women, I'm, I'm kind of adding a couple of words because he left them out, are viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. Why don't they go back to help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came? Then come back and show us how it's done. These places need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough. I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi would be happy to quickly work out free travel arrangements. Now, I do want to say (laughs) that only one of these four women were not actually born in the United States. And that is Omar. She was born in Somalia. Okay. She was brought over from a concentration camp in another country. We did give her citizenship, sent her to college. Okay. And um, she has become a congresswoman. Okay. And she really does hate Jews, Israel, and America. There is nobody that can say different. Now, 
I think the question here is people are saying this is racist. He said, basically, he said, go home, go back to where you came from. And people are assuming that's racist. All four of these women are brown. Now, okay, I, I think his statement was bad. I think it was I'm really in the terrible to say. I don't think it was. Do you think it's racist? It's not racist, but he okay. did. He did insult the people and the countries. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Yes, so, he did. Um, and is it ever okay to insult those people if they've insulted you? I don't know. I wouldn't say because then you're picking a fight. Yeah. At least in normal everyday conversations. Oh, well, he's always picking a fight. Exactly. I mean, that's his way, and that's how he gets things done. Well, like it or not. And well, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Carmen. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's speaking fact. <laughs> like, I, I, except for the fact that he he honestly thought they were born in a, all three, all well, four of them were born in other countries. They weren't. But, just, yeah. but they do come from descent, and they do have an attitude. Two of them are Muslims. Yeah. But this is the biggest, oddly enough, the biggest thing in that tweet that got me was, now granted, factually, I actually personally do not believe this, but facts could prove me wrong, so take what I say as great salt. But I feel like what he said as, oh, America is the most powerful country in the world, I'm sorry, but in some areas, yes, we are, but in some other areas, no, we're not. <laughs> like what? Well, for, for example, our education. Our education okay. is crap. Okay. Yeah. Absolute okay. crap. And okay, the good. little issues, now granted, we're, we don't have massive starvation, we don't have a lot of issues that a lot of other third world countries have, yet at the same time, we have the micro issues, just like what we were talking about earlier, with the racism and stuff like that, you know, so I'm sorry, but no, well, we're we've not. we've got 60,000 homeless people in LA. Meanwhile, in Japan, how many homeless people are there? There's less than is in LA, I think. Exactly. <laughs> there's less than what? There's less homeless people in the entire country than I think there's in LA. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that, that, that's what I'm saying. Is I get that we have a higher density. Yes. So, I mean, like, we have a So, we're not people. the greatest country in the world, but in some things we are and some we're not. We it's, have the, the, would you agree with the that? main two irrefutable claims you can make is we have the largest economy. Yes. Okay. And the strongest and most funded military. Yes. Okay. So, Those what could we work on? Everything else. Everything else? <laughs> everything else. Okay. Honestly, um, healthcare is pretty bad. These pretty days. bad. Oh, it's it's, it's horrible. These days. It's Very it's borderline bad. unusable. Um, yeah, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, education. Um, there's lack of support for higher education. Um, and then if you get with, great education, you go in debt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they yeah exactly. So it's it a fail system high. right there. Um, people aren't motivated and required schooling up, you know, through high school. And I'm sorry, um, but a lot of people here, I, I'm granted, it might just be my sources, but from what I know, a lot of people in the U.S., especially kids our age, some that are older, way more entitled than other countries are. We expect the world to give us things, but in reality, in other countries, people are perfectly happy working for them. Yeah. And I feel, feel like, like that too. attitude has to change big time. Because, you know, I, I've always had, uh, I've had the mentality where, like, yeah, I want something. Yeah, if you don't give me something, I'm kind of unhappy about it, but I'm totally going to try to get it on my own. Exactly. You, know? you work but, for it. But some of these people, like, they just give up. They just decide. They get just up gonna... and they go to their parents' basement and they're... not come out? Or... Exactly. Are you talking about that kind of person? Oh, or being the, serious. Or the up. kind that lives on uh, welfare? Yeah, that too. But they, they give up on going to college and pursuing some sort of great dream, 
and instead they just seek that immediate satisfaction, whether that's, you know, sitting in your parents' basement if that's available, whether yeah. it's going to drugs or just living depressed day by day, working at a grocery store. We haven't brought that up. We haven't brought that up. Yeah, but you get what I mean. that's a problem. Oh, it's a huge problem. Yeah. Um, and then they people are on drugs? And then they join Antifa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's another one. But seriously, on campus or at your jobs, you know, your part-time jobs, how many people out of 10 in your age group are either recreationally or addicted to drugs? I'd like to hear her answer before mine because okay. Okay. that might base hers. Okay, because the thing is, is that I have definitely not worked as much as Ian has. Uh, the most employment I've ever gotten, at least consistently, mm-hmm. was a seasonal job at uh, a local mall. Right. But okay. the thing is, we all had young people there, and I can honestly say, I think at most we had about 15 people. I knew four managers that used drugs recreationally, and I also knew one girl that used drugs to a point that it actually was very badly hurting her and she was an employee. So at least a third of the people Over where you work. In that particular third. area. That, okay, that's what I want to know. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, jobs you've had? You've had two or three uh, stores. Yeah. Um, you had one in a car lot. Just, just give us some round figure. So, uh, so if you don't include alcohol. Yeah, I'm not including alcohol. If you don't right include now. alcohol, I'd say um, in a lot of the lower positions, mm-hmm. I'd say 7 out of 10. Wow. And in the upper positions, I'd say a 5 out of 10. How many of these people are going to college that you're talking about? The lower, that's what I'm talking about. The lower ones, the ones that didn't? Yeah. Okay. Much higher. Okay. Um, much so higher 7 out of 10. Like, I'm talking your base cashier positions, stuff like that. Okay. So, at school, what are the numbers like? Are the people you meet in your classes and stuff? I mean, how I'm, many of them in a class of 30 do you think recreational? or have an addiction to drugs, not alcohol. It depends, because as bear in mind, I was in honors. Um, I'd say in honors, so, it's so in significantly honors less. less honors significantly or, less. Okay, in my non-honors based classes, oh gosh, I'd probably say it stays around the same, mm-hmm. seven okay. out of 10, Means so that would be 21. And, and I, okay, I'm gonna ask you this, and I, I might be kicked in the butt, um, <laughs> for this being some sort of macro racism, but I really don't mean it like that. Are people of color and different races more likely to drugs than your, so, than white people? Bear in mind, I grew born and raised here. Mm-hmm. Yes. You say that? I say here, yes. And by the people of color have more of an issue? I okay. Do. And they have a huge, um, is I, it because they're suppressed or because it's just more accepted? I think here, um, I don't know if they were suppressed in the past, but here they are of a much poorer than... They're very poor here. They're very this poor This is a very here. poor city. Um, so I'd say, but I'm not saying that's all of them because there are no, a ton of them no, no, that no, are no, extremely no. successful people that don't do that. But I would say here, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because okay, now I want to remind our listeners, which that the average income in Springfield, Missouri, is thirty-five thousand a year, and that's for a family. It is oh it my. is very dirt poor yeah. here. I mean, you've got you've got the upper class, which really isn't the upper class. It just seems like it because the poor are so poor. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way it is here, Connor. Do you have anything to add on this drug issue? Uh, no, not really. I, I, I'm, 
actually conflicted because I did see some some stats the other day, and I would have thought that it would have been higher here, but it, it apparently it really isn't. It really depends on where you live in Canada. Okay, I'm um, going to throw this out. Is that because you can get marijuana legally there? I mean, does that really help things? And while we got these kids here, even though we didn't plan on throwing that in, let's talk about that. Well, they're saying a lot more people are are doing cannabis these days in one form or another, but uh, I also don't agree with that. I think people were just hiding it very well. Um, Okay, well, let me ask you this. If they are doing cannabis more, are they doing opioids less? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. In in cannabis therapy with with the therapist, you can wean yourself off of opiates and... um, tranquilizers uh, some of the other drugs as well and a lot of the anxiety drugs too like yeah yeah and i'm not just talking thc i'm talking cbd because cbd reduces anxiety like crazy yeah we just got to figure out how to get it without it being a fraud because they're not regulating it true i'll say in, in high school especially here what started getting really popular drug-wise, and I I don't know if having cannabis legal would help us at all, I don't know, but what started getting really big was Adderall, Xanax, heroin, and cocaine. Okay. Just the stimulants. Yeah. Those Not much were the, marijuana use, those, do you And think? then actually, I, I, I'd venture to say on top of that, you have a lot of hallucinogens that were used, such as shrooms or LSD, um, stuff like that. I mean, it makes sense. And I'm talking that sort of moving in hard when I was in high school. Like, I saw people left and right start using it. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Considering that you were dealing with teenagers that are, this could fall back into the school system issue. We've got kids that are so bloody stressed that they're being forced to stay up at night. Because we have such an overload of work to do, of things expected of us within our school system because we're so far More than my age group did? I'd venture to say it's not a stress thing. Because, see, we were testing better than kids are now. I think it was, I think it's boredom. You think it's boredom? I think it's boredom. (laughs) You think the opposite of her. I think it's, I think it's complete boredom. Like, like I said, they care. It's high school. Why would you care? Yeah, a lot you of You go home do. and your parents expect you to care for some reason that they honestly don't care about. So Well, don't forget. You know what I mean? Don't forget. I am I'm the homeschooler of the group, so I yeah. wasn't part of a public school, but even I know that for me in particular, school is extremely important to me and I might have overloaded myself a little bit. I took a lot not a lot of extra things, but I made sure that I had the highest grades as I could possibly get in every So so why was school important to you? Well, to me it was important because number one, it, <laughs> when you're out on the farm with not much to do, it's it's all you got to do. Okay, so you want It's also like maybe part of your personality. It could be because I am what I would consider a perfectionist and overachiever. So <laughs> they could have been my perfectionism getting to me. Okay. Uh but that's besides the point. Uh, personally, I'd heard stories about, you know, the high school that was in my town, where they also had a huge drug problem. I don't know on what, but it was definitely a drug issue. And I always thought it was because we've got stress kids that try to stay up late, and then you got the hallucinogens, and that's pretty obvious. People that are depressed or feel like they can't do anything, they're not going to make it in life. They decide to just I, go I for kind it. of tend to be like Ian, and I've never heard him say that, that it was that it is out of order. Mm. Because um, 
I don't see the stress level as high as it was when I was in it. Maybe I'm just removed. But back to the original question. If marijuana is legal and accessible in, in a pure sense, because I think some of the drug issues are what they lace marijuana with when you get it on the streets. We, we won't really get into that. But does it help? Well, I, I think, um, what, yeah, 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 it would help. But what I think you're arguing about it being laced is that that doesn't really matter. The issue is they're going to the illegal people that don't just sell marijuana. That's why they get a hold of these other things. They're like, oh man, I just I got these shrooms too. You want to try them? Yeah. Because, but if it's legal, they're going to go to a legal place that's not allowed to sell those things. But because exactly. they might not get the other stuff. What? They might not get the other stuff. Exactly, because they're not going Ooh, down an illegal right where a guy's like, hey, because let me tell you how many people told me in high school they were just like the next day, they were just like, oh, so my dealer had like shrooms the other night, so I got it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I tried it and I loved it, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, yeah. like I, I was like, I thought you just did marijuana, you know, that's how it is. And let's also think about it this way too. If it was legalized in such a way to where other kids could get it, let's face it, when you're a teenager, you like to rebel. That's what teenagers do. And if teenagers get the idea of like, oh, this is such a bad thing to do, it's illegal, you know, they might try to rebel against what they're supposed to do and go for it harder. If you make it legal, it's not as fun. <laughs> okay, it goes back to the deal. Is it more fun to drink before you're 21 than after you're 21? I mean... Most people say yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I would give you two shoes, I'd say no. But I know a lot of people that Well, I know that yes. Ian hates the idea of marijuana. I hate and it. So I, I find what he's saying interesting because he really hates it. He had because... a couple of friends that their parents had totally destroyed them just through... Marijuana use. Well, I, mean, I mean, you know I basically lost my best friend to that kind of thing because yeah. he did marijuana and then he got into the other stuff that his dealer was selling. Yeah. It was the open So, I, and I, you know, I basically, we cut off our friendship. I ran him to the other day and he seems like he's cleaning up a lot, but I'm still, you know. Oh, good. That's good. But, um, you know, and he came out of school and fresh out of high school, he had two kids, you know, like kind of stuff. Two? Yeah, he's just two now. Oh, okay. I yeah. knew about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so oh my goodness! So okay. He, he said two now, and he doesn't have a job. He's unemployed right now. Well, it's hard to get employed when you got a drug record. Moved back with his parents. He's trying to recover from drug stuff, and like you know, he's yeah. he's on a downturn. And that yeah. and and his story is one of many. You know, yeah. of people yeah. that got bored in high school, did things they shouldn't, and they got addicted to it, and they're paying for it now. Okay, so you're saying that marijuana might be a gateway drug because the dealers sell other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might not be that. If you you did legal marijuana, which um, Connor and I talk about all the time, for example, if you that drink, you might not ever, it might not be a gateway drug if it's legal. Mm-hmm. For example, if you drink, what else are you likely to start doing? Nothing. Smoking cigarettes. Because uh-huh. smoking is very. Or smoking box. cigarettes, you might start drinking. It's the legal route. Okay. So if you smoke marijuana, what are you likely to start doing? Smoking cigarettes. Or drinking alcohol? <laughs> yeah, uh, here, here. It's Eating the, Taco Bell? I, I mean, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, uh, here specifically, because the same place you go to get one, you can get the other. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. What do you think about that? now? Now, I, I need to interject. I know most of our listeners know, but we got an awful lot of new listeners, so I'm going to interject this. Um, Connor is an expert on medical marijuana. He's been a cancer patient. He's also the creator, can I say creator? Sure. Of a website on uh, education, 
you please you say it. It's medical. I don't want to say it wrong. It's <laughs> medicalcannabiscanada.ca is the website. Okay. Okay. So we train uh, cannabis therapists that work one-on-one with patients uh, directly and uh, basically uh, offer them advice. Um, just like you'd go see a doctor, you go see your cannabis therapist. Hmm. Um, and these therapists know more about it than doctors. Yeah, actually there, there's a, a great website. Uh, I took me almost a week to go through the whole website. It's the... Canadian Consortium on Information on Cannabinoids, and it's all doctors with PhDs, scientists, and researchers that uh, did all of the videos and presentations, and it was pretty eye-opening. Actually, there's less kids nowadays um, getting into cannabis than there was when we were kids, believe it or not. Well, statistically, that is true in the places in the United States where recreational uh, marijuana use is legal. Um, You know, and I think we gave this statistic the other day on the air, and the snack food sales are only up about 1%. (laughs) And I would have expected them to be up at least 5%. Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah, Taco Bell. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, Taco Bell actually starts staying open later in these places that term. Well, because cannabis. You have no idea how many friends I had back in high school. They're like, yeah, we hit that Taco Bell up at four in the morning. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. That, that's... Yeah. Okay. So, um, I do want to, to point this out. Okay. If talking about your, your cancer and how you mostly treated yourself with um, medical marijuana, Right. What if you would have used opioids, like is the norm? Well, that's what they push down you is opioids. Um, right. I was under, a, I had a lot of pain, put it that way. Right, and, right. And uh, at one point, see, when I was staying in the, in the um, in, when I was going through radiation treatment, I was staying in the cancer lodge, It's it, because this was out of town from right. where I live. Um. And they really um, did not like cannabis. As a matter of fact, you would have got kicked out of the cancer lodge if they would have found out you were using cannabis, Uh, which was pretty disturbing because we all had to basically hide our use. And I would say 50% of the people staying at the lodge were hiding their cannabis oil. Yeah, so we would get together and uh, it was just like this little gang right after dinner. We'd all (laughs) go go eat our our oil, right? Yeah. Uh, But uh, I couldn't uh, smoke all the time or I couldn't ingest it all the time. It just, you could do it there. So you didn't have any choice but to go on opiates. And at one point, I was on 128 milligrams of dilaudid or hydromorphone per day. And to just balance that on a scale, if you went for an operation, you would likely get two milligrams every four hours. I was. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh so, my goodness. So I think. How are when, you not. Why, how are you not comatose? <laughs> you pretty much are. Uh, yeah. you, you sleep a lot. I don't. Yeah, memory is the worst. I don't remember that period. But, you know, that's not a bad thing because that was a horrible period of my life. Yeah. Um, so as soon as I was done treatment and back home, I was able to wean myself off of that dosage uh, very easily. 
using, uh, you know, cannabis. And it was cannabis oil, the, the Rick Simpson oil, RSO, FICA oil. There's a whole bunch of names for it, but it's very high potent THC oil and, and some of the terpenes as well, which people that are into essential oils will understand terpenes because that is the, the ingredient in essential oils that, that give you all the goodies. Uh, so cannabis has terpenes too. Um, the, yeah, it, it was very easy to, like you'd think under that dosage it would be hard to wean yourself off, but not with the cannabis. It was very easy. Uh, just took a couple but without weeks. without the cannabis, you might have had an addiction? Yeah, and at that point in that dosage, you don't have a choice. Uh, it, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it would have probably I, I it would have probably taken a year to to get off of them otherwise and it took me a matter of weeks using cannabis so wow. okay okay let's um, switch over to Rihanna oh. and back to the this is more um, the cultural appropriation which is you know a segment of racism I guess but so. It's a very I, I just want to say that's an entirely new term for me. <laughs> yeah, Cultural, me like, too. I understand what it's attempting to say, but what exactly, how are they describing? Because I've noticed a lot of language they use these. Okay, let words. me give some examples now. Um, Rihanna is the latest, but uh, about, I don't know, two weeks ago, Kim Kardashian was slammed for coming up with a, a new line of clothing that she called Kimono, using her name and Ono. Um, and she was accused of cultural appropriation by um, with the Japanese culture. So are we saying that <laughs> cultures have to be appropriated to the people within that culture? Is that kind of what we're saying? Yes. We're, they ask, before that, who alone owns the term aloha? Which tribe? Should any of the rest of us be able to say aloha. Yeah. It's like what's, okay. in, what's in your culture stays in your culture. No one else is allowed to take exactly. it. Exactly. Gordon Ramsay has been slammed what? over a new restaurant that he's calling an authentic Asian restaurant. He's not Asian. So they're saying he doesn't have a right. Rihanna did a layout for Chinese Bazaar. Mm -hmm. want to point out that the photographer and the board of the magazine were all Chinese. But they are saying that she was um, inappropriately, which means... Culturally appropriating. So the Chinese... Exactly. So she yeah. Chinese people helping her with the design yes, of all of this? Yeah, I yes, remember hearing about the story. Now, I do know that Katie has some interesting observations about this layout. Um, Visual artist you know, over Rihanna here. is dressed in, um, you know, ancient, more, well, Chinese garb dress. Just Possible um, for me to see the image again? Yeah, yeah, I was going to hand okay. that to you now. Katie, now, let me see. I'm going to let her um, tell her observations. She does know about the Asian culture I know. or the Chinese. Yeah, she I knows know more about Japanese, but, exactly. but she pointed out some interesting things here. Okay, well, for one, uh, Rihanna, first of all, looks beautiful, I think. Uh, the silken dress definitely is. Definitely uh, appropriate, I would say. She's not wearing it sexily, if that makes sense. Like, she's not showing a lot of skin, uh, but it's elegant. The only thing I am noticing, and this has to do with stature, uh, I don't know if your listeners even know the image, but basically it's an image of her 
uh, almost crossing her arms, having different pieces of symbolism of Chinese culture that mean royalty or higher stature, such as, uh, I, not Asia, wrong word, but uh, like, for example, fans as comb clips in her hair. She has a breed of dog that, that I know is from Chinese descent, but it was only meant for the royal families. She also is wearing uh, beads of jade, which is a symbol of beauty. I know that from Mulan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's also, I don't know what this one is, but she also is holding what looks to be a bamboo stick with a black tassel. And I don't know what that is, unfortunately, but I'm pretty sure it has the same symbolism as the dog and the hairdo and the fans. She's making herself look like royalty or making herself look like someone of a very high stature from ancient China. That is what she looks like to me. And personally, in my opinion, if she had sources that were telling her how to dress, because you gotta remember this, guys, when women and other people do photo shoots, nine times out of 10, they don't get to choose what they wear. They don't get to choose their makeup. It is all due to the people behind the scenes. She most likely, she might have been influenced by some of these costumes that she's wearing, but she did not make the ultimate decision. So that should not be on her. So if the people of Chinese descent even, which they actually were from China, if these people actually gave her the green light, said, yes, you are going to wear this and you are going to put these props in, if they say that she is fine, she is fine, in my opinion. I don't think I don't see anything wrong with this. She's not disrespecting anything. The only thing that I would say is that she's making herself look, you know, very egotistical and I personally just don't prefer egotistical people. But that's the only problem I have with it. I have no other issue with this. And honestly, I only have an issue with cultural appropriation as a whole, unless you actually are disrespecting the culture by what you are doing. I think it's a term that needs to go away. Yeah, here, why don't you take it? I think it's just cultural racism. That's a good way of putting it. But do you think Rihanna wearing this outfit, or let's say, you know, you love the Asian culture, say you buy Katie a kimono for Christmas. That's that's my point is... Are you disrespecting the culture? Absolutely not. So my point is, like, who came up with the suit? Who came up with all these other stuffs that we wear? You know, like it came from somewhere, some culture. So yeah. I mean, like, was that us? Because yeah. if it wasn't us, then we're guilty. Okay. Well, yeah. there was a girl mutilated on the internet two months ago when she was wearing a kimono to her prom. Oh yeah, I remember she that. She was absolutely destroyed that that, that was, was inappropriate. But that was fairly popular when I at the three proms I went to. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. even people that didn't even But it wasn't disrespectful, was it? No. Absolutely. I mean in fact it should be a compliment to the culture that yeah. you liked their style to wear. Absolutely. You know what I mean? What and if somebody says, Gee, I like your haircut and they go get their haircut like you? Is that an insult to you? No, no that's a compliment. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Of it, anything. It doesn't make sense that um Okay, go ahead. I'm so sorry. I just I have a very good observation and I wanna say before I forget it. I noticed that, do we hear of other cultures that are not, you know, not United States, we're not talking United States for a moment, do we see anybody else in the rest of the UK possibly, but do we see anywhere else in the world where people are like, oh, you can't wear that, it's cultural appropriation, <laughs> you don't see that anywhere else, it's only here in the US, and again, it has to go with the, the macro uh, racism that you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Okay. Are we approaching civil war? We could be. I genuinely am worried that at some point these parties are going to go to war. 
we're going to have a second civil war because what started it we disagreed on something I, I read an article at one point about a guy who spent like 15 years in countries that were in civil war mm-hmm. like in an active civil war and he said he came back and he saw a lot of signs here that he saw there before it happened mm-hmm. so and, and I'm just saying it's we're, we're fueling a fire of hatred with these kinds of cultural appropriation racism um, everything we're blowing it all out of proportion in hatred in fact if you went to Japan I remember seeing can't remember the name for the life of me but I do remember seeing a YouTube video once of people that did go to Japan and they actually asked people just directly off the streets hey my wife is wearing this kimono and she was and she was from the US and they asked what are your opinions on that they went straight to the source. They asked, are you okay with us wearing this? Even though we're not of your country, we are not your people. All of them said, oh, it's, I think she looks beautiful. She looks fine. They have fun dressing you up like that. Oh, they love it. Say, you know the Japanese <laughs> festival we had here? Yeah. They, they set me up, and I think it was a yukata, because it's not mm-hmm. like a super formal mm-hmm. kimono, but it was like a male yukata. A festival thing. And, yeah, there were festivals there for, like, traditional things. Mm-hmm. And they had so much fun dressing me up in that, I want to say. And they enjoy so. it. Yeah, that's the thing. I helped uh, Japanese exchange students as part of my minor not too long ago, last semester, and they get excited when they just realize that you know their language a little bit. I walked up to them and said which all means hi, my name is Katie, nice to meet you. And you should have seen their eyes just light up. They were so excited. You know, that's why I think this. I'm okay. I'm sorry, but this cultural appropriation is bullshit. It's like it is. It's like we're right. building a Trump wall around our. Are all differences, people. yeah. You know, I agree. How about in Canada? How is cultural appropriation? Is it even there? Well, it, it this is very interesting. I had a photo shoot down in Victoria uh, last week, and we were shooting part. <laughs> Here's the photo shoot: Egyptian clothing with a white girl. So right yeah. off the bat, uh, okay. you know, we didn't care. We were going to do our creative thing. And we were shooting in a park, and there was an Indian wedding going on in the park. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen an Indian wedding, but oh, my gosh, oh yeah. wow, the clothing yeah. is amazing. It is awesome. And uh, we were waiting for the model to get dressed, and I was sitting at a bench in the park, taking a breather. And one of the Indian gentlemen from the wedding party came and sat beside me. And then there was this big group of girls, uh, all dressed up in Indian wedding clothing that went by and I went okay I've got a question for you clearly these girls are white they're not Indian how do you feel about them dressing up uh, you know in your traditional garb and he said love it love every minute of it we're <laughs> here to really celebrate so we really yeah, yeah we're here to celebrate so we celebrate everything including our culture it's beautiful yeah. And that's what it's supposed to be. It's complimentary and it's respectful. Now, granted, if you go, no, this is where I draw the line. If it goes to where, for example, if someone were to wear either a kimono extremely inappropriately or they try to make it so that way it's meant to reveal more skin and more in a way that is definitely not supposed to be worn, I wouldn't call that a cultural appropriation even then. I would just call it just respectful. Or That's racism. All I would call it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that far, but it definitely <laughs> would be disrespectful at minimum. Now, what if you call it like my Japanese-inspired attire? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, like, mean, you I could. think I think you could. Ju- I think judging people on basically where the style of their clothes came from is not right. That's ridiculous. Um, because 
you're gonna put you're gonna add your own flair to whatever you wear. Like as humans, yeah. we express. You know well, what I mean. And as we're wrapping up here, I'm just gonna throw this out: is all of this um, macro racism, um, cultural appropriations? Is this all just something for political people and people that live inside the bubbles? Is this just their weapons? I, I and think, do the rest of us just think it's crazy? I think some people do use it for their bubbles. I, I, I think so. these people, like you said, a bubble, but I, I think, for example, the people that say what she's wearing is cultural appropriation, maybe they should go spend like a couple weeks in China among the people. Yeah, and see what happens. And yeah. they, maybe they should wear it once or twice and see what they think. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And people are Because so I, I guarantee you they're not going to be like talking crap on you. No, they won't. And another thing, too, I think. This generation just as a whole we're scared i don't know where it came from but we're we're scared of each other and because Absolutely. of that we're so scared of offending someone else or we're so sensitive that we're gonna get hurt that we don't talk it out like this we don't say okay enough of the bs this is what actually is going on why don't we just shake on it and just care about you mm-hmm. each other because we're humans you I, know? I think the biggest thing i should ask themselves is when these people come over through exchange student programs or just to visit or business or anything if they wear a tire like us if you're gonna get mad at our people for doing that we should get mad at you <laughs> you should be irritated at all the people that come here and wear our tire and a lot of times they come here and they wear our tire because it's something familiar to us and they want to try it too mm-hmm. exactly and they, they believe it'll help us connect yeah. on mm-hmm. a level so yeah. if we start getting to this level we're gonna start separating ourselves even further, which is what we've done. I mean, for crying out loud, we could even go back to the Rihanna thing. I mean, if we're gonna slam her for wearing something Chinese, well, geez, from Europe, for example, better not wear a powdered wig and wear a bunch of makeup, because then, oh, well, that's cultural appropriation for us, because we're white, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, it's and the and same that thing. represented a time of racism exactly. to a lot of people. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, well, I'd like to thank you guys for coming. I hope you'll come back, because there's several other topics we could cover. Absolutely. I yeah. think this has been a great conversation. Yeah, I loved it. We definitely have to agree to have him back. Yeah, we don't always agree about life's journey, and we're all in this together. Godspeed, Connor, and Godspeed to all of our listeners out there. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Katie and Ian, and thanks for listening, everyone.